What has been your moving image from this past week, particularly related to the Gulf Coast tragedy? It may have moved you to sadness as you watched nursing home residents up to their chests with uh, floodwaters as they sat in their wheelchairs. Did you see that one? It may have moved you to joy and thanksgiving as you watched a boat full of rescued flood victims and unknown heroes who just stepped out and responded. An image may have moved you to patriotic pride as you saw uh, the U.S. at its best or maybe even a little Texas boasting as you saw us respond here in the Lone Star State. A man named Gary Cornegay um, described it in a tribute that I would like to share with you this morning. This moved me. It is the volunteer Navy, he said, of Texas and Louisiana during Hurricane Harvey. It is an assembly of individuals from all walks of life, ethnicity, religion, culture. They've saved thousands of lives and given comfort to more. Their equipment, small boats, pickups, dump trucks, flotation devices, and their own bodies. Their directive, personal and selfless, reacted without plan, guidance, schedule, or limits, and made an immediate impact. Their sacrifice, immense. They came from everywhere without being told to. They left comfort and safety to help fellow mankind in need. Their objective, save lives, make a difference. Politics, race, religion, gender, or sexual orientation had nothing to do with it. Their motive, give comfort and aid to the victims of a to a devastating natural disaster. Their reward did not seek compensation. They have the gratitude of millions of Americans and now walk in the grace of God. They brave the deadly forces of Mother Nature with courage, strength, and endurance. They have become modern-day heroes. We love and admire our new heroes. And imagine that within five days of the onset of the flooding... They have accomplished what has traditionally taken weeks to months. This is the testament to the power of these heroes. Now with that image in mind and the many images that perhaps you brought to worship here this morning and some of um, your conversations perhaps with loved ones and friends I raise this issue from Scripture today. When the Navy's gone home and the news reports have turned back to politics and other crisis stories, who is there? When we're lying in bed at 2.30 in the morning and worried about what to do, about money or the job or the future, you're today or tomorrow? Where's the help? 
Today I want us to turn to the 139th Psalm, one of the most beautiful Psalms, I believe, in all of the Scripture. And I'd like for us, during this um, very important time in our country, in our state, to remember the words of the psalmist. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there... Your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the night, the darkness is not too dark for you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is light to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, recently I heard a phrase that came from a woman who had faced a tremendous life-changing event. And she said, there is no spot where God is not. There is no spot where God is not. You know, in thinking about that phrase, I think that is exactly what the psalmist is saying, all wrapped up in a little phrase. There's no spot where God is not. No matter what kind of trouble, what kind of heartache, what kind of distress, what kind of darkness we may be passing through, God is there. And there's no spot where God is not. He meets us at every corner with His loving kindness. And now let's bring this closer to home and a little bit more more specific. I want us to think about um, a couple of aspects of this text this morning in light of who God is proclaimed to be by the psalmist. And the first thing I'd like for us to think about this morning related to our own personal situations is this. God is at the dropping off places of our lives. Do you know those places? The psalmist said it this way, the uttermost parts of the sea, which means the dropping off place. Remember when the Psalms were written that the uh, people uh, of the world thought the world was flat, right? And so there was literally a dropping off place. You could go uh, from the sea to a place where all of a sudden you you dropped off the world, the, the globe. You were gone. 
And it would be totally remote, totally alone. And we know about these dropping off places, don't we? When we feel rejected or deserted, when our hearts are broken and our hopes are dashed, that's when we know firsthand the pain of the dropping off place. You know, a few days ago, I received a beautiful letter. I have received so many letters lately, so many emails, so many Facebook messages. It's just been overwhelming. But this letter came from one whom I usually Facebook with, but it was, uh, it was all typed out beautifully, and it was from Kathleen McLaren. Now, Kathleen is one uh, whom many of us love. She's the widow of David McLaren. She's recently moved to Orlando to be closer to her grandchildren. And who can blame her for that, right? But we do miss her and we miss David. And she'll be back in town um, this month uh, for the um, McCormick Lectures when we have Paul Young in our midst and we're going to uh, honor David and receive money for the McLaurin Fund for missions. And Kathleen will be here. But in that letter... She talked about um, an experience that, uh, that I will never forget as long as I live. It was one of these drop, dropping off experiences. David uh, McLaren, whose uh, photograph is on a plaque in our um, hallway in the Aldersgate Hall, was on our staff here for nearly 20 years. And as you know, David's ministry, he started out doing missions and doing missions quite well. And when we got into the building project business, it was David whom we called on. He oversaw every building project that we had. Uh, I just said, ask David. And, and uh, he, he, he really did motivate us quite well in those building projects. And then he became the overseer of the buildings and grounds, which was a large project as well, especially coupled with missions. And David... He performed his duties so well, so faithfully, and everybody loved David. In fact, I found myself from time to time when I was getting in hot water, I'd just say, well, David did it, and then everything would be all right. He was so beloved. I remember when David came to me and was talking about maybe, uh, you know, moving to a, a, another phase in the uh, latter part of, of his life before retirement, kind of a semi-retirement deal, and he wanted to be involved more in the Russian initiative, and they were pursuing him. And, and so he started preparing us as a staff. He, he got Rusty George all ready to take on facilities, and my, didn't he find a good one in Rusty? And he found Kay, and he took Kay under his wing, and he taught her all of the ropes about missions. And then when everything was set for us here, David moved on to his new post with the Russian Initiative, but he and Kathleen stayed very connected to their church family here at Lover's Lane. Kathleen reminded me in that letter, in dealing with my own dropping off uh, place with, uh, with my family, about that experience that we had when David all of a sudden had a dissected aorta and was rushed to the hospital and then rushed into surgery and she called me and I rushed to the hospital to be at her side and in that experience we spent all night long hoping against hope that David would survive but he did not. 
we were all hurting so much. And she said something in that letter that I really never thought about. She said, I know you were hurting too. But said, you had to lead that collective um, care for me and my family that you and Lover's Lane displayed for us. And I want to thank you. And then she reminded me that this was time for me to maybe uh, experience that same sort of love that she experienced in that dropping off place for her that meant so very much. We need to be reminded from time to time that when we face these dropping off places that that feel so empty, that feel so uh, completely void of... um, of, of, of meaning and purpose and where do we go from here that God visits us that God is there oftentimes in persons who come alongside us as representatives of God but when those persons aren't there there's still that spirit that the psalmist talks about that constant spirit that is with us in the midst of our despair Since last week, Harvey's become part of our vocabulary. I just knew a few people named Harvey until last week, and now I don't think of those when I hear the name. I think of the hurricane. And many have faced that dropping off place, losing their homes. Many lost um, those homes without flood insurance, and so there's going to be lots of questions and concerns going forward. Um, Many lost uh, pets. Many lost loved ones. You know, I think about a lot of those people who are in the hospital, some in critical care, others who are in nursing homes in critical care, how some of them may not survive, will not survive. And a lot of that um, hastened to death was brought on by this hurricane. And there are those who no doubt felt last week and even today that it's been a dropping off place. And, and where does my help come from and it's the psalmist that reminds us that our help comes from the Lord our Lord who's always there who never leaves us there's nowhere we can go where God is not there and secondly the place of darkness that the psalmist speaks about if I say surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night Even the darkness is not dark to you, said the psalmist to God in prayer. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. That's an interesting phrase. Darkness is as light to you. In other words, these troubles, uh, these moments of darkness that seem to overwhelm us and we seem to never be able to see the light, that's when God says, Darkness is as light to me. It's in the midst of these struggles. It's in the midst of this despair that God rises to the occasion, sees the opportunity to redeem even these dark places into his light. Jim Moore was uh, David and Kathleen McLaren's pastor in Houston, and they loved Jim very, very much. He's retired now, but he wrote lots of books in his ministry and preached lots of sermons. And 
I, I was reading from one of his books just this, this week, uh, a little sermon that he had written, but he was talking about an experience that he had several years ago uh, with his daughter, his daughter named Joni, Jody, um, who became extremely ill. He said that she was nauseated and dehydrated and bent double with abdominal pain. And the doctor took one look at her and put her in the hospital immediately. And all day Monday, Jim said, and all day Tuesday, they ran tests with no luck. They could not pinpoint the problem. And meanwhile, Jody was hurting more and more and getting weaker and weaker. And finally, on Tuesday night, she was rushed to the operating room to emergency exploratory surgery. And the surgeon discovered that Jody's appendix had ruptured and their skilled hands and fervent prayers combined to produce a successful surgery and an excellent recovery. And in a matter of weeks, Jody was back teaching school and completely well. And then Jim said, but just before we got the word that our daughter was sick, we had a hundred things on our minds. So many things to do, so much to deal with, so much to accomplish in coming days. Christmas was coming. Year-end details were on us. Charge conference around the corner, as only a preacher can say. And sermons to write, meetings to prepare for, hundreds of things to do. And then came the call from Jody, who was really sick, facing exploratory surgery, and suddenly all those things on our minds didn't even seem important. All that mattered was to get our daughter well and to be with our daughter every second of this time of her trouble. He said that's what parents do. And that's who God is. If we think we as parents can respond to our children in the points of their deepest darkness, he said all the more God responds to those times of our deepest darkness. For we are God's children and God as our parent responds to our needs in the midst of our darkness. God promises to be light. You know, this week I, I watched way too much uh, television. You know, we've got kiddos in the heart of Houston, and I was worried about them. I think I wore Zachary completely out. He finally said, Dad, we're fine. But I couldn't help it. And I didn't care what he thought. I wanted him to know his dad was going to bug him and was going to be caring no matter what. But I came across that old, old classic piece called Footprints. And it reminded me in my own personal uh, struggles right now, and I, and I hope that that particular old classic reminded a lot of people who probably thought of it this past week as Harvey rushed through and poured over the beaches of South Texas, Southeast Texas. You remember the classic piece. 
where one night a man had a dream and he dreamed that he was walking along the beach with the Lord and across the sky flashed scenes of his life. And in these scenes there were two sets of footprints, one belonging to him and one belonging to the Lord. When the last scene of, scenes of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand and then he noticed that in those times of his deepest darkness, on the beach there, were, there was but one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at those very lowest, those saddest, those darkest times when there was only one set of the footprints. And so he questioned the Lord. And he said, why was it in the midst of those darkest times that you left me? And as we know the end of this classic, the Lord reminds the man that it was in those very times that I didn't leave you. I carried you. I carried you. You know, how many people this week have needed to be reminded that our Lord in these darkest times is not only the light, but our Lord in these darkest times is also the one who will carry us when we don't seem to know how we can put one foot in front of the other and carry on. The Bible makes it clear. God will always be there for us. Even at the point of the uttermost parts of the sea, at the dropping off places of our lives, God is there. At those times when it seems so dark and the valleys and the shadows seem to cover up the very light of God. God is in the darkness, redeeming the darkness, transforming the darkness into his very light. This is the hope and the confidence and the blessed assurance that the psalmist is underscoring for us that at the dropping off place, at the darkest place, even at the place of death, God is there with us. Meeting us with loving kindness. Carrying us if we need that assistance. And God will never, ever, ever leave us. We need to know that. But most importantly this week, just like Kathleen was for me this week, there may need to be someone whom we need to pass on Psalm 139, too, for them to read again the truth that God is with us always. Amen.